later. Although it was not worn again during the next three years, many of the DeLong family and servants reported becoming sick just from being in the room where the mask was displayed. Elroy DeLong finally had the mask put into storage, and family members refused to discuss it. In 1927, the mask was taken out by the head of the family at the time, Mrs. Emily DeLong. She wore it at that year's ball. In the months following the ball, Emily DeLong became paranoid and began losing touch with reality. She was committed to an asylum where she remained until her death in 1933. The mask was worn one more time the following year this time by her daughter, Alice. When Alice perished in a carriage accident a month later, the mask was taken off display once again and hidden away until this year. Agnes DeLong, the current matriarch of the DeLong dynasty and a ruthless businesswoman, publicly repudiated the superstition and vowed to wear the mask at this year's Bayou Ball. She also had a brochette made in the image of the mask. She had it cast in pure 24-carat gold and set with large diamonds and a large emerald. Chapter 1. Off to the Ball The problem with getting dressed in a tuxedo is getting the suspenders on correctly. Men enjoy wearing a tuxedo because it makes them feel good and look good. Tuxedos raise a man's self-esteem and give them a sense of confidence. However, the suspenders can sometimes be hard to get on and adjusted properly, testing that self-confidence and good feeling. Homicide Lieutenant James Gator McNeil was learning that lesson the hard way. He was becoming a little frustrated putting on his tuxedo. Gator had attached the suspenders to the back of his trousers without a problem, but every time he reached behind and got a hold of one strap, it would twist and fight as he tried to bring it over his shoulder to fasten it to the front of his trousers. The little clamp would not fasten tightly to the waistband. It would slip off and snap back over his shoulder and behind him again so that he had to start over. When he finally got both sides securely fastened, he found they were adjusted too short. The suspenders were pulling his trousers up to his chest, making him look a little bit like a circus clown. After several infuriating attempts, Gator finally got the suspenders on, adjusted to the correct height, and feeling comfortable. He slipped on his tuxedo coat, put on a red carnation, and adjusted the white silk kerchief in the breast pocket. The reason he was wearing his tuxedo tonight was because Gator was escorting his mother to the DeLong Mansion on St. Charles Avenue for the annual Mardi Gras Bayou Ball. Gator's mother, Mrs. Margaret McNeil, was a wealthy woman in her own right. Gator's father had been second-generation Irish and was a police captain on the New Orleans Police Department. He had passed away unexpectedly a few years ago from a sudden and massive heart attack. Margaret was Cajun, and her family had been a part of the fabric of New Orleans society for over a hundred years. 
They owned or controlled vast tracts of West and North Louisiana and had invested in multiple business interests, all of which had done well. Since the Mardi Gras Bayou Ball was considered a high point in the year societal events, her attendance each year was almost as much an obligation as it was fun. Green Willows, the McNeil family estate, was about 60 miles north of New Orleans. Because of that, Mrs. McNeil had a standing annual reservation at the Windsor Court Hotel for the week of Mardi Gras. That way she could come enjoy the various parties and events without having to make the long commute repeatedly. Gator hurried to the hotel and pulled up to the front entrance. As he got out of his car, he noticed an old, beat-up pickup truck parked on the street. Peacefully sleeping in the driver's seat was an old Cajun hunter named Charlie Cloture. Charlie lived in the bayou.